We're starting a series today called Summer of Kairos. And this is going to be a powerful series of messages because I believe God's going to speak to us in the midst of them. And the idea of this is, uh, is really that there's something special that God wants to do and there's special moments. And I was reminded of it through this story uh, that I just heard um, in the news that there was uh, really many decades ago, uh, there was a young man, he was 16 years old, and his name was Don Lutis Jr. And Don was um, in, in high school, went to the cafeteria, and when he was at the cafeteria, he bought something, he got change, and when they gave him the change, he looked at one of the pennies, and it looked a little bit different. And so he held on to it, he saved it, put it away, and he always thought, maybe this is going to be worth something. Well, he lived his entire life, and in September of 2018, he passed away, leaving his family everything that he had. Um, he had different things and different money and inheritance that could be given, but no one would have thought one of the greatest things that he had was a penny <laughs> that he had saved when he was 16 years old and put away. And they began to look at this penny, and it looked like a very rare penny, and they started to study it, and as they began to realize that this 1943 penny was one of only 15 that was ever made, and it was made, and there was an error on it, so they stopped production. So they only met 15 of them going to circulation. They had a hard time finding any of them. Well, they decided that they would put it up for auction and sell it. And in January of this year, it fetched $204,000 for a penny. Think about that. Some of you don't seem impressed. That's a pretty good return on investment. <laughs> One penny. And you know what I realized when I heard that story is that not all coins are created equal. My grandma left me some coins. I'm going to go home and check them out later today. <laughs> I'm going to go see what's going on with those. Um, but some of you, you're ready to start looking through your purse. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, just knowing that story, just knowing that floating out there somewhere might be something so priceless. One of those pennies, the one that sold for 204000 another one of them sold for $1.7 Come on, somebody. $1.7 for a cent. Not all coins are created equal, but here, here's what's really amazing. Not all moments are created equal. Not all time is created equal. In the same way that you can see that, you can grasp that. You understand what I'm talking about now, right? It's, wow, there's certain things you want to go check. You want to you double check whenever you get changed. Don't just throw it in the little change dish at 7-Eleven before you leave. You want to, hold on. All right, that looks okay. 1943, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it just to be sure. Um, but not all moments are created equal. And this idea that not all moments are created equal is a biblical concept. Because in the Bible, in, especially in the Greek, in the language of the New Testament, whenever we talk about time and when time is being described, when moments are being described, there are, is not just one word that's being used, but there are two words being used to describe and define time. And if we can understand the difference between these two words and the significance of one of them, this word kairos, we can start to see how God has certain appointed times that are more valuable, precious, and full of more significance in other moments. You understand what I'm talking about. I get to the end of someone's life and I'm sharing about a funeral and at a funeral and you'll you can often see that you want to have as big of a gap between the date they were born and the date that they passed away. But what we're not talking about in those, in those times is we're not talking about the accumulation of minutes, of seconds, of hours, of years. It doesn't matter if they worked in their job 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years. The accumulation of time doesn't matter. It's the co-workers that stand up and say, this is the kind of person they were. And this moment right here changed my life when they talked to me. They're not there to count minutes. They're counting moments. Are you with me? We don't live for minutes. We live for moments, don't we? 
We want to see moments of meaning, moments that God shows up, moments that, that God changes something in our lives, changes the trajectory of our lives. Well, the Bible calls these kinds of moments in time kairos moments, kairos. And this means a God-appointed moment or time to act. Now, there's another uh, way of calculating time and discussing time, and it's chronos, where we get chronology from. And this word is just about the accumulation of time, that in this period of time, that, that's chronos. That's that kind of time being measured. But this kairos time is precious and powerful if we understand it. And I would tell you, in the same way that it causes us, just hearing the story about this penny, cause you to say, not all coins are created equal. If you start to realize, God, there are moments, moments that you have appointed in my life, moments that you desire to speak to me, moments that you want to show up and do something special and transformative. Whenever we start to become aware of that, church, I, for you and for me, I don't know about you, but for me, I long for those moments. I have a message today I want to share with you, and the title is Don't Miss the Moments. Because I feel like so often, if we're not careful, we can miss the moment God wants to do something in our lives because we're not listening, we're not obedient, we're not available to him. Are you still with me? So we're going to go on that journey. Think about it. Think about all of these Kairos moments that have unfolded in the pages of Scripture. Go all the way back to the moment where there's a bush that's burning, is not consumed, and in that Kairos moment, God calls Moses to set the people free. Think about the Kairos moment for Moses when he stood with the Red Sea in front of him and the armies behind him, and he's trapped in that moment. And in a Kairos moment, God opens the seas and he walks through on dry land. Think about a Kairos moment when the Apostle Paul, who's breathing murderous threats against Christians, is stopped, thrown from his horse, and Jesus speaks to him and calls him to a whole different way of life. Think about a Kairos moment when there are multitudes, thousands of people, and there's only one boy's lunch, and in that moment, God showed up when Jesus took the bread and the fish, and multiplication happened, and in that miracle, it's a Kairos moment. The woman with the issue of blood pressing through the crowds. She had seen doctors. She had a lot of appointments. The Bible said she suffered much under many doctors for many years, 12 years. But in one Kairos moment in Jesus' presence, she's healed, set free. Come on, man, I want those moments in my life. If God has one for me, I don't want to miss it. I want to do everything I can to be available. And so today, as we start this journey, what we're going to do over the summer is we're, just, it's, we're calling it Summer of Kairos. It's a summer of just understanding those moments and chasing after them. And I pray that by God's grace, we will experience them in our midst. Amen? And so that's what we're going to do all summer long. We're just going to be understanding them, seeing them in Scripture, studying them, and, uh, and just learning to make ourselves available to God to experience them. Well, today, I think the first message that I want to share with you, it's funny that as I think about it, um, I was reminded that this is the passage of Scripture that I used to preach my very first message here at Evangel Church 11 years ago in 2008 when I was a young adults pastor. I'm sharing to you, with you today from the same passages of Scripture. And this passage that I want to share with you is found in the book of Ephesians, if you'll turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul sharing with us, God speaking through his word to us, and it's about how to put yourself in a position... So you hear, you say, okay, pastor, Kairos moments, I get it. God moments. I want these moments in my life. I don't want to miss them. I believe this passage of scripture today, if we take what it says to heart, it will put us in a position where we can seize those moments, where we're available, where we're ready. So today, if, you're, if that's what you desire in your heart, if you want to be uh, ready to receive them and lean into them, then let's just lean in and ask God to speak to us 
from his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Your word is alive. It's active. We open our hearts today to receive whatever it is that you want to say to us, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, even as I share this message, and speak to every one of us that we would receive it and respond in obedience to what your Holy Spirit would want us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's just read this passage, and I want to hone in on a few verses. It says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage right here, I believe, unlocks a lot of what we want to talk about today, about how we can make the most of these God moments, these Kairos moments that he wants to bring into our lives. Like this Kairos moment, this moment is a moment that's ripe. It's ripe with anticipation. I believe it's a window in time often where God wants to show up, where the Spirit of God might birth something. Uh, One of the great ways to think about these moments is found in Matthew chapter 21, verse 34. Jesus is telling a story about some farmers and servants, but in that, he he uses the same word to describe this. Look look at this. It says, at the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. At the time of the grape harvest, if you know anything about harvesting and farming, you know this. There is a time to harvest and a time not to harvest. If you wait too long, it starts to spoil on the vine. It's of, no, it's of no value. If you harvest it too early, it's not ripe enough yet. It isn't as valuable. But there's a season of ripeness, and when it's ripe, you have to act. Are you with me? So the same way God says that's kairos. It says that the kairos of grape harvest, that this season is appointed time when it's time to react, time to respond, time to act. you got to move. We want to be in the position that we're ready, church, when God brings a ripe Kairos moment into your life that you're found ready to respond to it. You're found ready to seize it, to act and do what he's calling you and appointing you to do. Two things about a Kairos moment. One is it's God appointed. Second, it calls you to action. It calls you to some kind of response. So as we start looking, how do we get ourselves ready? First part of it is in verse 15. Be very careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. You know, in the beginning of this, Paul's saying that, you know, he's using a, a word that's it's almost like walk when he's describing live. You know, many of us, we're living, we're walking through this life. And just because we're breathing doesn't mean we're automatically living the life God has for us. Does that make sense? You could be walking, but doesn't mean you're going in the right direction. And I think there are too many of us. We can call ourselves Christians and we can go to church. That doesn't mean we're living the life God has for us yet. That doesn't mean we're fully walking in the purpose that God has placed us on this earth to be about. And so it's so, it's so easy to be alive and not really living. To be breathing but not really fully alive in Christ. He says he has come to give us life and life abundant. We have life but do we have it abundant? Do we have the fullness of what he wants for us? So Paul says this, be careful how you're living. Are you living in such a way that you're entering into the fullness of what God has? Or are you living in a way that's actually leading you to death? Jesus said there are two ways 
There are two paths. There are two ways you can walk. One is wide. You can find it anywhere you turn. You could turn here, turn there, turn there. It's all the same way. It's all going to lead to death. But he said there's a way that leads to life, and many few find it. Which way are we living? Which way are we walking? Paul's urging, God's urging us from his word. He says, don't live like a fool. You know, it's possible to call ourselves Christian, but live like fools. That's the real, like that becomes like if you really defined our choices, like that's like a fool. No, there's a wisdom that's available in Jesus. There's a way to walk. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, in the beginning of it, some of my favorite verses of scripture, I've committed them to memory. And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders you in the sin that so easily entangles you so that you could run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Do you know there's a race marked out for you? There's a path that God has paved for you. There's a way he desires for you to walk. So how do we get it? How do I go? Where, God, where is it you want me to go? What is it you want me to do? Do you want to know what it looks like? you want to know what God's plan is for your life? I can tell every single one of you what God's plan is for your life. You ready? For you to follow Jesus. Well, Pastor, that sounds like a Sunday school answer. It is, but if you dig down into it, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says fixing your eyes on Jesus. If you fix your eyes on Jesus and if you make it the desire of your life, if you make it the purpose of your pursuit is this, Lord, I'm Jesus, I want to follow you as closely as I can. It says fix your eyes on Jesus. He has marked out a way for you. And if he goes left, I'm going left. And if he turns right, I'm going right. If you can just say, Lord, I'm going to make it my focus to learn what it means to follow you. Here's what you'll find. He'll follow us, or he'll lead us. And if we follow him, he can lead us in a lot of different directions. Some of you will go to different countries, different places, different jobs. But guess what? If you're following Jesus, you're walking in the way that's marked out for you. You're able to receive his wisdom, his grace, what he can give you. That's what I want to make the goal of my life. Lord, I just want to stare at your shoulders. And if I see you turning right, I want to go right. And if I see you turning left, I want to go left. I want to be led by you. I want to be led by your spirit to tell me where to go and how to lead. And, and so every day, if I'm just spending time with him, spending time in prayer, the Lord can and will lead us in those moments. And here's what I know. If I'm being led by the Lord, if I'm desiring to follow him, if I'm being mindful about the way I'm living, I'm choosing each day to honor him. I'm choosing each day to, to be led by him, not by the desires of my flesh or, or other things. If I'm choosing that, Here's what I know. The race, the path that he's marked out for me is ripe with Kairos moments all along the way. Are you with me? That if we're following him, he will lead us to moments in time, these precious God moments where he shows up and he provides, where he shows up and he gives provision, where he shows up and he heals, where he shows up and he changes everything. Comes when I'm following him, when I'm desiring to, to walk in a way that, that he desires for me to walk. Then it goes from there into verse 15, uh, 16. This is the main verse of this passage where we see this word kairos show up. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This word, every opportunity, is this word for kairos. Is this word where it means you know, we need to literally buy the time, redeem the time, Buy up all of it. Take full advantage of it. Some of you, if you go on Black Friday to a store and you're trying to buy something, you're trying to buy all of it because it's, it's such a good deal. Do you know what I'm talking about? You go, I know some of you super couponers in the room, and you're like, yes, I know how to get it. I'm going to get the deal, and I'm going to get all of it. The Bible says when it comes to Kairos moments, take it all. Get everything you can. Make the most of every opportunity. The days are evil. 
God has given us these appointed times, these moments where we could respond and where we can act. So make the most of those Kairos moments. Don't be in a place where you're missing the moment, where you're missing out on it. I can think of, and I'll tell you more in the weeks to come more about this, about my story, but I remember where I was. It's going on almost 20 years ago. I can't believe it, that I'm sitting in a, sang- in, 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 in a gymnasium in the middle of Pennsylvania, and I'm just at another service on a night, and it was a service that would change my life forever. And someone spoke, because on that day, it wasn't just like any other time or any other retreat or any other camp out, time away. It was a moment that God had circled on his calendar. It was the moment he would call me into ministry. And in the middle of 500 students, God spoke to my heart in such a powerful way, and even in a public way where I was called to ministry. I was set apart. Man, it changed my life forever. It's one of the main reasons why I stand before you today. It was that Kairos moment. I remember right where I was sitting. I can go back there. I can sit in that very seat, stand in that very place, and remember, Lord, this is where you met me. How many of you want to have some moments like that in your life? Want to say, God, I want you to show up. I want, I want to t- and I want to take a full advantage of it. And I don't want, Lord, there to be a moment when you're showing up and I'm out of position, not ready to receive, not ready to act, not ready to respond. So how can we do that? There's some more insight we get here in verse 17. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Think about that for a moment. Don't act thoughtlessly. There's so many times that we're just acting, we're responding in life, we're, we're almost wandering through life, and it's just become a cycle. Day in and day out, we're just going through the motions. Has anyone ever felt that way before? Like, I'm just going in and out, I'm just going through the motions, I'm working the plan, it's working. It's like, but days and weeks, they start to bleed together, and it feels like nothing's different, and you're doing it almost without thought, without intention, without anything. He says, don't don't do that. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just live life, but try to do this one thing. Try to understand what it is that the Lord wants for you to do. How often are you praying that prayer? I'm not talking about specifically as you're sitting at the deli counter and picking between ham and turkey. Lord, what do you want me to choose here? We do that. We, we, We only bring God into it. When we're try- whenever we're, we've already made the decision, well, Lord, I'm either going to go here or I'm going to go there on vacation. Which way do you want me to go? But have you ever stepped back and just taken out a map and just said, Lord, where do you want me to go? Do you want me to work here? Do you want me to go here? Do you want me to go do something else? Lord, what is it you want to do with my life? That's a scary prayer. Are you with me? What do you want to do with my family, Lord? What is it you'd like for me to do? And, and, and when you're willing to do that, you're willing to take a huge step. God can meet you. I have uh, one of my best friends in, in the world is sitting here in the front row, Josh Bertram. Josh and I went to uh, Valley Forge together. We met when we were in school. And a couple months ago, Josh left his ministry position out in Ohio. Um, he was an associate pastor there with his wife, Ashley, and their three beautiful children. And he said, God's called me to plant a church outside of uh, D.C. and in, in a place called Short Pump, Virginia. And uh, he's left everything, and he just stepped down this huge step of faith, and God's leading him and guiding him. He's answered this question, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Because he's committed everything to just follow God. And guess what? You know, all we've been sitting about talking about all weekend is how God's been providing step by step, how God's been supernaturally meeting them, how he's been calling them as he's putting vision in his heart. Aren't you excited about what the Lord's going to do in and through them, that there's going to be a church and a group of people that are going to raise up in this area? They're going to change the world that that area of short pump won't be the same because of what God's going to do. It all starts here, though, answering this question, Lord, do I want to be comfortable or do I want to pursue the calling you have on my life? 
There are times that the calling is going to cost you your comfort. You have to realize, am I going to act uh, about what makes me comfortable or am I going to figure out what it is, Lord, that you want me to do and I'm going to chase after it? Here's what success is. We're just talking about this, Josh, right? Success is obedience to the known will of God. Are you with me? No, you might not be with me because you have a different measure of success. Success is having this house, this job, this amount of money in the bank. It's not. It, at the end of your life, the only thing that will mark your success is whether you've done the thing God placed you on earth to do. That's success, nothing else. Lord, have I done? Have I been who you've called me to be? Have I been who you've created me to be? Have I done what you've placed me here to do? And if we're not even living with that question in our hearts, how can we get to the end and think the answer is yes? If we're not living asking that question. So what does God's word say? Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just live your life just to live. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. How can I know that, Lord? Pray. Seek him. Read his word. Spend time in his presence. Ask him. Come on up, Pastor Rick. We got, we got to hurry this thing up, man. We had this whole altar thing that happened in the midst of worship. Yep. So one thing that I'm, that I'm hearing a lot, and I, and I feel like I have kids now, so I know what this feels like, is that I want my kids, you know, at the end of Lily's uh, preschool graduation she just had, they had this whole slideshow where it's like, what does Lily uh, want to be when she grows up? And I'm like, okay, well, it depends on what week they asked her that question. Because uh, she wants to be, you know, a pediatrician and a veterinarian and a princess and these different things. It just changes from week to week. And as a parent, you're just like, yeah, God bless you. You could be anything you want to be, you know. And I think that that's something we grew up telling our kids or having heard. You can be anything you want to be. You could be anything you want to be. And I'm, I'm convicted in my heart, man, and I've talked about it. I'm like, I need us, yes, when they're young, okay, I understand we're having that conversation. But, but I'm like, Mandy, as they're maturing in the Lord, we got to turn that. And we want to not say you can be anything, or I want you to be anything you want to be, but I want you to become everything God wants you to be. I want you to become everything God has for you. I want you to, we got to, because if we become conditioned to live saying, what do I want to do with my life? We're living in an oxymoron because if you belong to Jesus, you've been crucified with him. You don't live any longer. He lives in you. The life you live, you live in faith to him. You live giving over, surrendering to him. So the question is, Lord, what is it you want me to do with my life? It's, Lord God, what do you want me to do with the life I've given to you? The, answer, the question is not, Lord, what do I want to do? It's, what do you have for me to do, Lord God? My life isn't my own. It's for you. So I want to become everything he wants me to be. I want to become everything he has for me to be. And I'll tell you, it's in those Kairos moments that God unleashes that calling. It's in those Kairos moments that God begins to speak. So I know you're a shepherd now, but you're going to become king over Israel, David. It's in the Kairos moment. God just unleashes it and brings it about. There's a difference between chasing your dream and chasing God's dream. Remember that, okay? Just because you love it and you want it, you're passionate about it, doesn't always mean it's the, what God has placed in your heart. Be careful that our own ambition doesn't, doesn't, become, doesn't supplant the purpose God has for us. And say, Lord, I just want to chase the dream that you have for me. I want to chase the purpose you have for me. And if we're willing to do that, God's going God's to gonna make it known. He's going he's gonna to make it clear. You know, this is where I was going to end the message whenever I was working on it this last week. But I told Mandy as I was working, I became convicted that I felt like there was more in verses 18 through 20, and I really feel like there's more here, and I just want to unpackage that before we pray. 
It says this, it says, don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. When I thought about that, what does it mean don't be drunk with wine? Why, why is this here? Why is this in there? You know why? Because in the Bible, wine was something, strong drink was something that people would use as a, a form of pleasure and enjoyment. But then people would also indulge in it. They'd become drunk. It was also a form of medication. The Bible says, Paul says, take a little bit of wine for your upset stomach. It was a way of medicating. But here's what I've realized. You know what, what this can become so often? what Paul's talking about here, it's a way of self-medicating. It's a way of trying to medicate something that's going on inside of you. Oftentimes, I've, I come from a family where alcoholism and other things have, have been a part of, of, of my family tree, our past. And what I found so often is that it's a form of self-medicating. We're trying to treat a pain within ourselves, right? People will turn to drugs, they'll turn to drinking, they'll turn to pornography, they'll turn to promiscuous behavior, they'll turn to all kinds of broken places. They're drinking from broken cisterns, trying to sustain themselves. And what it's doing is it's numbing away the pain within them. And here's what I want you to know. If you're doing something to numb the pain that's within you, then you're not fully awakened. You're not fully aware of what God wants to do. Do you get what I'm saying? If you're inebriated, he said, don't be full of wine. If you get drunk, you know what happens? You can't focus. You can't focus on the road. You can't focus on a lot of things if that's what's happening in your life. So if you're filling your life with things that are numbing you, that are dulling you, that are making you less aware, they're distracting you, then you're going to miss the moments God wants to bring into your life. But he says, no, no, don't be full of that. Be full of the Holy Spirit. You know what happens when you're full of the Holy Spirit? Those pains within you begin to become healed. There's a joy that now fills you where there's only a deepness and a despair. There's an overflowing of life and abundance that comes. There's a thankfulness that can fill your hearts. And this is what God wants to bring about. This is what he wants to do. He wants to release Kairos moments in your life. And the only thing that I'll tell you to do today, the number one step, the only step I'm gonna invite you to do today is to make yourself available to him. To say, God, I want to, I'm fully available to you. Where you lead me, I will follow. And if you make yourself available to God, watch what he does. Do you want to see that in action, church? Do you want to see that lived out? I'm going to invite the missions team. Come on, just stand across the front, missions team. These are just three of our missions teams that are about to go out in the next month or so. And as they go out, they're going to go to three different countries, three different places. And as they go, God is going to use them to change those whole areas. He's going to bring about revival, transformation, healing, salvation. There's so much that God's going to do. Isn't it amazing every time we get to see these teams stand in front of us, church family? It says on their shirt, to the ends of the earth. But here's what I realized as, we were, as we're getting ready to pray for today. This is a day of commissioning where we're going to lay hands on them and pray and release them into what God has called them to for this season. But here's what I realized. Every team, if you could hear me, every team member, you're stepping into a Kairos moment right now. As you step into this season, if you step into this mission, you're stepping into a time full of these God appointments that he's setting on your calendar. You don't know the people that you're going to engage with. You don't know the meetings that you're going to have, but they are God appointments, God appointed and ordained times where he wants to do something. Be found ready to respond. That's what you prepared yourself for. I'm telling you, I want to tell you a little bit about where they're going, church. From the 23rd of this month till the 30th, we have Team Mexico heading 
uh, into Guadalajara, Mexico, and into that area to do some amazing work with missionaries Chris and Julia Abuso. They're going to run a three-day VBS. They're going to perform dramas in public areas. They're going to spend time in group homes as well as a teen challenge ministering. Isn't that exciting? <clears throat> but Team Mexico, listen to me. It's not about the week that you're spending in Mexico. It's not about the time. It's not about the hours, the days, the three-day VBS. It's about the moments. It's about that moment when you're, about, when you're going to lead someone to Christ. It's going to be about that moment whenever you're going to pray with someone and they're going to turn their heart to the Lord. When you lay hands on someone and pray and they're going to be healed in the presence of Jesus. It's going to be about these God moments. That's what you're going to remember for the rest of your life. That's what they're going to remember for the rest of their lives is the moments when God's going to do something like never before. Team Uganda is going to be heading out the next day on July 24th to August 4th. They're going to be going to be in three villages there in Africa. They're going to see changed lives, changing communities. They're going to see our vision being lived out. They're going to pray over the opening of a school in two villages. Church, you funded those schools being built, and they're going to be there to pray over them as they're dedicated and opened. Praise God. They're going to be praying over water wells being built in a school, and they're going to dedicate another one in a third village. It's been the generosity of this house that's bringing living water and clean water to villages in Uganda. That's what you're going to be praying over. They're going to run children's programs in the local cities and outreaches. But I'm telling you, Team Uganda, I've been there. I was there last year. It's not going to just be the, the, the 10 days that you're there. It's going to be when you're in the slums of Kotwe and you're, you're talking to people in the streets and people are coming to Christ. It's going to be when you're in Lawunga and you're going to see these children that had no hope or no future, but as you pray with them and as you encourage them and speak life into them, that they're going to have a hope and a future, that they're going to raise up to be world changers. That you're going to see people, you're going to pray with people in desperate situations, God's going to bring healing. You're going to see people that are going to be tr being treated in the very clinics that, that have been there and we prayed over in the years past that God's going to meet them as you minister to the doctors and those that are being treated. There's going to be Kairos moments all around. And finally, Team Guatemala. Team Guatemala is going to be heading there and they're going to go to two villages that we partnered with there and are bringing about transformation. Cerro Grande. They're going to be providing bucket filtration systems for over 100 families. That's a lot of families, church. We're also going to be working in a village of Puja, and we're going to spend time in a local school, provide upgrades to their classrooms. We're going to be working on there, praying over a retaining wall, church, that you help fund and make possible. They're going to be working in three to five local homes and with the church to do some work in Cerro Grande. What's amazing about Puja and Cerro Grande is that they're going to, be, like, they're going to actually be ministering to them. Um, and we're going to see one community beginning to pour into the other community. Uh, it's going to be very powerful. We're going to see changed lives, changing communities on display. But again, I tell you, it's not going to be about the days that you're there. It's going to be about the Kairos moments, the moments that God's going to begin to release things there in Guatemala, that you're going to begin to pray with people, that you're going to pray with someone that didn't have access to clean water, that you're going to save someone's life as you're, in Jesus' name, providing them even a cup of clean water in his name. It's going to be a moment that changes everything, that changes you. And we have this incredible couple right here, Andres and Jessica, and they're standing up here today because they're getting ready to head out. There's a ministry that we serve with, with um, World Help, and it's called the Children of the World. And they were a choir of kids from all over. They're kids that are in uh, Uganda, kids that are in Guatemala, in Honduras, all over the world. And many of them are orphans. Many of them don't have families, very difficult families. And they come from many of the communities that we support even as a church. Well, all those kids come together, and they end up coming together as a choir, and then they travel all over the country and all over the world. I think they might travel 
just the country. Okay. Well, I got excited. Maybe one day they'll go around the world. Children of the world traveling around the U.S. But for that to happen, these children need some parents that are going to kind of oversee them and chaperone them. And many people will apply and go through a process. And this dear couple was selected. And they're going to go out. They're going to be the chaperones for this, these children and be a part of the team that's going to walk them around. So you guys are... I can't tell you how many God moments you're going to have. How many moments are these children? We saw, we spent time in Uganda with children of the world. And after they come through that, they end up paying their way all the way through college, these kids. So as they raise up, they actually go all the way through college um, and have their tuition paid. And God opens up so much. God's sending you out on mission. Kairos moments. Church family, stand to your feet right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over them. I'm going to invite our leaders to come forward right now. Invite our pastors, staff, deacons, elders. If you can come forward, I want you to begin to walk up and down this line right here. And I want you to begin to pray over them, lay hands on them as we go. And uh, we're just going to begin to pray for God's blessing just to come upon them, for him to release his purposes, his plan in their lives. Church family, I want you just to extend your hands towards them right now. We're going to pray for these teens that are entering into this moment in time, that God's going to mark them and change them and transform them, that God's going to work in them and through them. Josh, come on up. I want you to pray as well. Jesus, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, church family, lift your voice right now. Begin to lift your voice on behalf of them. If you know someone's name right now, begin to call it out to the Lord. Just begin to cry out to them right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord God. We thank you for the calling you have on each person here, Lord God. We thank you for the plans and the purposes you have for them, Lord God. We thank you for the work you're setting them apart for, Lord God. We ask you right now, Lord God, place your hand upon them, Lord God. Holy Spirit, anoint them. Prepare them, Lord God. Strengthen them for what you're calling them into, Lord God. We pray you open doors that no one can close, Lord God. That you would bring about these moments, Lord God. These moments that only you've ordained. Moments where you change everything, where you bring transformation, where you bring healing, where you bring salvation, Lord God. Come and do what we pray in your presence, Lord God. We pray that they would never be the same because of what you do through them, Lord. We pray that the area you send them will never be the same because of the work that you're going to release in their lives, Lord God. We pray, Lord, now. We lay our hands upon them. We commission them to your service, Lord God. We set them apart for this work which you've called them to, and we pray the supernatural would follow them now. So, Lord God, would you anoint them, strengthen them, empower them, Lord God, to do that which you've called and created them to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask the team to stay here for just a moment. Here's the final part of the service, church, and we're going to dismiss as we do this. There, there are many of you here. This group has been set on mission. Our value here as Evangel is that we live on mission. But there's so many of us, we're all called to live on mission every single day. And God has Kairos moments waiting for you this week, this month, this season. He's looking for your availability, not your ability. He's looking for your availability. Today, if you're saying, I'm making myself available to you, Lord. I'm making myself available to whatever it is you want to do. Where you lead me, I will follow. I want to invite you quickly to come, leave your seat, and come forward and let one of these team members just pray over you today. They're ready to pray with you. If you're saying, Lord, I want to step into that moment you have for me, wherever it is you want to send, just, just walk right forward, walk right up to the one of these teams.